Hello, you are listening to Maghreb and Past and Present Podcasts, a space dedicated to history, art, culture, politics, sociology, anthropology, and many other subjects. This episode was recorded on September 22nd, 2021, at the Tangier American Legation Institute for Moroccan Studies. In this podcast, we welcome Catherine Cartier to speak on her research as a Fulbright student researcher entitled Queens of Words, Moroccan Women Zajal Poets. Catherine Cartier received her BA in History and Arab Studies in May 2020 from Davidson College. Prior to Fulbright, she worked as an investigative intern and consultant at the Center for Advanced Defense Study and reported also as an independent journalist from Jordan, Lebanon, Morocco, and Tajikistan. Her Fulbright research examines Zajil poetry written by Moroccan women. Catherine, welcome back to Tangier. Welcome back to the legation. Thank you for having me. We're really happy to see you and thank you for coming. I know you're leaving soon, so thank you for taking the time to come over to Tangier. Can we start just by some definitions? Yeah. So I guess the first one maybe to get into is what is Zajal poetry? Exactly. So Zajal is poetry written in Arabic dialects as opposed to in a standardized, whether Fusha or classical Arabic. And it actually traces its origins to the 9th century in Andalus. And Andalusi Zajal was composed in an elevated register of colloquial Arabic, Fusha, Tamazight, and other Romance languages. So this form of poetry has been around for a very long time. Well, it's existed since the 14th century, but it's reemerged. Yes. So it reemerged. So Zajal has existed, you know, since the 9th century, kind of peaked in the 14th century, but it really reemerged in the 1970s in Morocco um, in this really heated political moment in which leftist political parties started publishing Zajal in their newspapers. So that's kind of where the reemergence of Zajal happened happens in modern day Morocco. In modern day Morocco, linked to politics. Yes, very closely linked to leftist politics. A lot of poems at that time about Palestine, about the need for revolution, and just broadly the need for a really big change in Morocco that a lot of poets were pointing towards. But your research is on Moroccan women. How do they fit into this chapter? That's a great question. And I think that when we look at the broad outlines of Zajal's reemergence in modern Morocco, it can seem very male-dominated. So it was in 1976 that the first volume of Zajal poetry was published in modern Morocco by Ahmed Lemsia. It wasn't until 1992 that Nuhad Ben published the first Diwan or volume by a Moroccan woman who was a Zajal poet. Mm-hmm. So when we peel back the layers, we can see that Moroccan women have been writing writing poetry throughout that initial period, but it wasn't being published until the 2000s. And my research sort of examines contemporary Moroccan poetry and how women have come to play a more active role in writing Zajal. So if it reemerged as something linked to politics, to leftist politics, when women started to publish, was there still a political element to it or had it I think, deviated and changed? So I think that was in the 90s when more women started to publish Zajal. The genre itself also expanded um, thematically to become less so focused on politics. While there are still people writing Zajal that is, you know, concerned with political issues mm-hmm. and political changes in Morocco, the Arab world and beyond, in the 90s there started to be a lot of Zajal that looked more inwards, especially after the fall of the Soviet Union and what some poets felt was sort of the, the failure of the ideologies they had mm-hmm. looked up to. So there's a really broad range of topics that Zajal poets are writing about, both men and women. And I think that's been something I've really enjoyed in my research is getting to encounter all these different things that women tell me that they're writing poetry about. And I am just awed by the variety there. That's great. And you mentioned that this is a poetic form in dialect. 
Yes. I assume this is in Darija. Yes. So it's written in Moroccan Darija, but it also can include some fusha. Some women have described it to me as we take the Darija that we speak amongst ourselves or on the streets in our homes and we sort of transform it and make it more beautiful. Mm-hmm. So it sort of blurs the line between this division that we often think of between, you know, Darija and fusha or between Moroccan Arabic mm-hmm. and modern standard Arabic. I don't normally think of Darija dialect so much as a written literary language, but this is. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's something that perception of Darija, that it's not a literary language, is something that Zajil poets have been responding to ever since this genre kind of reemerged in the 1970s. And a lot of women that I've met praise Zajil for being in Darija and for what Darija can allow them to express. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are people who will reference it as their mother tongue or like we were raised with Zajil. So it allows us to express our inner thoughts with more ease, more spontaneity and more beauty. And it can also, you know, help us communicate the message in a better way to the listener. So it's not just literary, it's personal is what you're saying. Yeah. And, and you mentioned, I think that your research is both literary and ethnographic. Mm-hmm. Can you sort of draw the distinction between those two elements? Yeah, so my research kind of has, I guess, two prongs, one of which has been these kind of more ethnographic interviews with women in which I ask them, you know, a series of questions, and we kind of have this free-flowing conversation about why they choose to write poetry in Darija. So there's that element, and then there's also the element of doing a very close reading of the poetry. So I've worked with my teachers to read volumes of Zezel poetry that are published by women, and then now I'm working to translate some small parts of those. Um, So those are kind of the two lenses at which I'm coming to the research with. Do you have any favorite stories about some of the poets that you've interviewed? Yeah. Like what inspired them, anecdotes or? Yeah, I think um, one that I think is particularly interesting is there's several poets who are writing about Kharbusha who is a sort of revolutionary, iconic figure who lived in the 19th century in Morocco. And she resisted um, an oppressive leader through her song and her poetry, which was written in the dialect of that region, which is around Esfi. And so now a lot of women are looking to her as an inspiration. So there's a poet named Fatima Maizi, who's from Esfi, and she recently published a new diwan, a new collection called Aituli Harbusha. They, they called me Harbusha. And so she sort of positions herself as a modern day Harbusha. And that's actually something she said to me. She's like, I write as if I'm Harbusha, that I'm like following in the footsteps of this revolutionary woman who used poetry to change her world. And that's kind of what, you know, she's doing as well today. When you say her world in a social context, in a as social much context. as in a yeah. political context. As much as in a political context. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Were there other things that surprised you in the research about uh, women's participation in writing Zajel? I think something that surprised me is coming into this, I sort of expected to, I had a narrative in my head that I expected I would hear about what it's like to be a woman and a poet and some of the challenges that I thought maybe that they were facing in a male-dominated space. And I think what surprised me has been hearing how Moroccan women today see themselves as part of a long chain of women poets who, you know, have composed beautiful verses that had incredible social impact. And so I think that that sort of challenged some of the assumptions that I've come in with. And I also think just, as I mentioned before, hearing the range of of topics that people have written poetry about. I mean, there's, I've heard of women have described me their poems about going out and taking the census and what they experienced as census givers or as teachers, um, kind of just like from every mm-hmm. part of life. And I think that that range has been really surprising and interesting to me. Did you get to talk with them about the writing process itself? Yeah, I did. Um, and I think that's something that 
Are you I, tempted to try it? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, some of them have suggested to me that I, I write in Zezhel, um, and I, you know, not yet, but maybe, <laughs> maybe that's still yeah. on my to-do list before I leave. So, um, in regards to the writing process, uh, there's a one poet named uh, Fatima Haddad, and she's from Kanitra. And she told me, before I started writing, I didn't know what Zezhel was or that I could write. She said, I felt that there was something inside of me that wanted to get out. I took a pen and paper and found myself writing. At that time, I didn't know what I was writing. And um, she wrote two poems, and that was just like how she started writing Zezhel poetry. And I think that's spontaneity with which it seems like a lot of poets have sort of begun this creative endeavor um, is something that's perhaps unique to Zezhel because it's in one's mother tongue or in the language that they are, you know, that they have told me that they're most comfortable with, even though they're existing as very multilingual. So it's less sort of rule bound and more free form. Yes. And there's actually one poet, um, Sabah Ben Daoud. She's from Rabat and Tifle. And she told me that, you know, in a text that's written in Fusha, you can go to the dictionary and like look up a word. But for a text that's written in Darija, the person who wrote it is the dictionary, basically, because there's just so much variation there. That is great. I want to ask you also, we always ask people about a methodology. Yes. You had the fortune or misfortune, I'm not sure, to conduct your research during the pandemic. Were there any surprises? Did you change your methodology? Did you have to make adjustments? And were they successful? And yeah. Can we talk a little bit about that? That's a great question. I've really, like a lot of us during this pandemic, you know, turned towards doing my research more digitally. So I ended up, I did most of the interviews over Zoom and over WhatsApp. And I think in two regards, that's been really successful. The first being that I've gotten to interview a wider range of women because I'm just able to pick up the phone and call them, even if they're in Wurzazat or Aswara and it's 15 hours from Tetuan where I live. So in that sense, it's really opened up possibilities of who can be part of this. But also I think it kind of mirrors the transition of Zezhel to a more digital world. And it sort of has made me turn to the internet instead of turning to events in person. Mm -hmm. I've gone to YouTube, Facebook. I even, I made a TikTok for my research to, and come to find out this is actually, you know, social media is a very rich space for these poetic exchanges. So it sort of mirrors the transition that's happened or happening within the genre. Are some of the women recording themselves in TikTok and recording on yeah. social media? That's great. So yeah, Zezhel TikTok is... <laughs> is a place I recommend everyone <laughs> checks out. Um, and, and most of the creators that I found on TikTok, you know, searching hashtag Zezhel, hashtag Zezhel Maghribi, they are mostly women, actually. Um, you know, I've come across a couple of men, but most of the people who seem to be the content creators there are, are young women, which I think is really interesting and exciting. That is. You take a 14th, 9th century art form and put it into the 21st onto TikTok. Yeah. There's something really timeless about that. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I did want to go back to one point that you raised. Going back to the Derja versus Fusha, I don't know that you could translate Derja into Fusha, but for people who don't speak any Arabic at all and can't read Arabic, Izegel hasn't been translated. Is it being translated? Based on what you think, is it something that could become accessible to readers who can't read Arabic or Derja? Yeah, there's some wonderful translators who have worked on this, and the name that mostly comes to mind is Deborah Capchan, and she's translated, um, I think she's been a Fulbright grantee, and she's translated, uh, done a huge efforts to bring Zajal poetry to readers in English. So I do think that it can be translated, but it takes a lot of working with the poet, working closely with native speakers to really capture what the essence of the poem or, you know, how it sounds. Um, and even some of the 
poets that I've interviewed have said because of regional differences, they've like struggled to understand what other Moroccan poets mean. So there's even within Morocco that when I take a poem to my Arabic teacher in Tetuan, sometimes they tell me I have no idea what this line means. I'm like, oh, great. Like, how am I going (laughs) to figure it out? But it's a process, I think. I think it probably has to bring the inner poet out of a person to become a translator of any kind of poetry. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I think poets probably make the best translators of poetry. Well, thanks. I was going to say, what would you suggest? You mentioned TikTok. Are there any other suggestions you'd make for people who are interested in reading Zedjil in Arabic? In Arabic, yeah. yeah I think um, TikTok is a great place to start. I also really like Deborah Kaftan's new book of anthology mm-hmm. with English and Arabic. And so I think that will let readers sort of, you know, see both, see how the translation happens. But also, I think if you go to any library in Morocco now, Zedjil is accessible there. So you can purchase those volumes. They're usually very affordable, which I think is something great about living in Morocco and just being able to walk into a shop and get a couple of new volumes. Thanks. And let's make a challenge to our listeners. If any of our listeners have thoughts about Zedjil that's available online, please post them, share them with us, and we can spread the word ourselves about Zedjil. Sounds great. Thanks again for coming. Thank you so much for having me. And enjoy the rest of your time here and your future travels as well. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Maghrib and Past and Present Podcasts. Other episodes are available on our website, www.themaghribpodcast.com, as well as on iTunes and Podbean.